Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? Uh, doing okay. Fantastic. Um, it's been an interesting week. Uh, another financial hurdle that I have to tackle is my gym membership. This is probably a problem that other people out there listening have had. Uh, the backstory is I went uh, the other day to my local gym, which I've been going to for years, and they closed overnight. Oh, shut the wow. door, okay. big sign. Oh, no just email, go to our no. nearest location. And I said, okay, here we go. And once again, I've talked about this on the podcast. It's not the money. It's the unwind to try to get to fairness. Maybe that's the way I'll put it, right? Because I got to, you know, I go, first thing I do is go to their website. You can't cancel the membership on their website. And there's no 800 number to call. And when you call a local gym to find out the facts, they say that you have to come in and fill out a form in order to cancel. So I go there this morning, make a long story short. They, they give me the form. I fill it out. It's a 35-day cancellation policy. That from the time you enter it, they cancel it 35 days and it rounds into the next month. So it's really shady the way these places operate. And I was getting frustrated with the young man at the counter, but I, I, I apologized. I knew it wasn't him. Yeah. No, but I absolutely. know that this is going to be quite the unwind, right? Because you know yeah. they're going to lose my paper. I asked oh, there's going to be all kinds of silliness. Yeah, there's going to be all right? kinds of silliness, right? Yeah. That they, they lost the paper and, you know, where you know what happened or I, you misspelled this it's going to be really it's like trying to put a ballot in for this election right it's like it's just crazy right the ho- the hoops you're going to have to jump through to cancel this membership and so at the end of the day i just figured i'll just throw in the white you know the the, the proverbial white towel uh, and and just continue with the gym membership till it ends it's a little far for me it's not sustainable that's my biggest problem is i drove there today to my nearest location it's not sustainable it's just too far uh to go so i have to explore other options but um it's one of those things that i'll have to tackle this week so that was my uh rant for this week about uh financials i won't mention the gym the gym's name i don't want to be petty um it just is what it is so um today's topic we're going to jump into is the fire movement Financial independence retire early. That's what it stands for. A fresh look at one's careers and finance. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story uh, was forwarded to me by my wife from New York Times. Uh, it's called How to Use Your Heart and Head to Hack Your Personal Finance. Yes, you need to do some math if you want to handle your finance as well, but don't forget about your heart. Two new books show you how to do both. So when I read through this article, Jody, the two things that jumped out at me were the behavioral focus over math, which I guess Dave Ramsey talks about, um, as well as a simplified budget approach versus the micro budgeting. So I thought of you, Jody, <laughs> because I know you would <laughs> probably uh, disagree with this uh, with, with this finding in here. But what was your take on this story? Well, yeah, I, I uh, it's a book review, right? So that's fine. Uh, and you know, books always like to give advice and that's great. Um, I I struck on that, that line as well, Paul doing well with money has little to do with how smart you are and a lot to do with how you behave. And, uh, that's like you said, nothing new, but I think it is the key to money success, making you behave in a way that allows you to do what you want with your money. And we've talked a lot, put our spin on it on the podcast about being intentional with your money, whether that's writing down your budget on a piece of paper, putting it in a spreadsheet the way you and I do. Um, however you do it, um, be intentional with your money, track your money, make your money do the things you want it to do. Cause otherwise you're just going to float along and you're going to have those stress out moments that happen sooner or later and probably more frequently as you pay less, less attention to your money. Um, and, and you're just going to go off the cliff. So, um, you know, you can check these books out if you want, but, uh, yeah, the, the theme there, you know, being intentional with your money, great advice. Yeah, I, I have to agree, uh, w- with that premise. And we've, I think our whole show has been dedicated to these approaches, uh, making sure that um, y- you have these tools and you have your set of tools that are in place to make sure that you're able to stay on your financial track. 
Um, the second story is from Fortune.com. Uh, COVID showed why we need to make financial literacy a national priority. And reading through this article, we've talked about this in the past, Jody, where we, we talked about financial literacy at the high school level. Um, it's actually an article that kind of expanded it a bit to say, well, we need it in college. And you know what? If you don't get it in college, you need it from your employers. Um, I, and they said that COVID is the wake up call for this. As we could see as of today, a lot of people still out of work, a lot of people underemployed. I think that's more of a chronic problem than people being unemployed. Um, so for me, uh, yes, I could see COVID being a wake up call and having financial literacy uh, materials, documentation, and classes being taught by employers, I think is very interesting. Uh, one of my old employers, they made it a priority for personal finance uh, seminars. Every week, almost, they would offer a different topic, whether it was retirement, whether it was savings, whether it was buying a home, whether it was life insurance. Um, they had these optional topics that people were encouraged to go and, and sit, and they would give them, uh, we would get a set of documentation, and a presenter would present the uh, materials. Um, and so it was very interesting. Jody, what was your take on this story? Yeah, uh, something that we've also talked about here on the podcast, and I agree with what you're saying. I love that concept of having an employer um, provide financial literacy courses. You know, employers um, do all kinds of things to educate their employees on everything from HR to health benefits to all other kinds of policies and procedures, 401k programs and all that kind of stuff. Um, why not roll a financial literacy component into that, you know, whether that's that onboarding seminar or that's that once a year or offer that training course? Um, there's so many resources online. You can do webinars and all kinds of stuff. But it, because I, I really feel like it's in the employer's best interest as well as the employee, it's in the employer's best interest to have employees who are financially fit, financially literate. Um, now, that, that's not saying that, you know, the, the employer needs to, you know, make sure that they're putting money into a savings account or make sure that they're doing these other things. But just offering it as, as a resource. I mean, you don't you don't want to have an employee who you're paying every week to do a job and you're counting on them to do that job for the health of the business overall. And that person is stressing out because they're just they don't know which end is up with their finances because they've never been taught and they don't understand it. They never done it themselves. And I'm, a you know. If, if someone isn't taking charge, you need to help them to take charge, um, especially if you're counting on them to be in that in that mental and emotional space where they're doing work for you. They can't be stressing out about money. So that's a really, really interesting concept. And I think employers should really look into that if if they don't offer it already. Yeah, I would have to agree. And that was an interesting point you have on that, Jody, where it is a stress on the mind, right, which will impact your work. And I don't care if you're doing physical labor, or mental labor or a combination of the two. Um, it'll impact you, right? If you have to worry about your finances and your your head is in another area and another space and you can't concentrate on your work. So I totally agree. I think that having employers stepping up and providing this literacy um, to their employees would be a great additional benefit. Well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens. Hopefully people learn these lessons from COVID. And if your employer isn't offering it, you know, that's not necessarily a bad, well, it is a bad on them, I think, but um, that's no excuse to not wrapping your arms around it and do it yourself. You know, uh, I mean, I mean, like I said, you know, I think you have you have two types of people, right? When you stand there and you see your house is on fire, one type of person calls 911 and, and hopes that the fire department comes, you know, fast enough. The other person calls 911 and then picks up a hose and starts spraying the house. <laughs> right. And I'm not, right. And I'm and I'm not saying that you put your life at risk. That's not the analogy I'm trying to make here. I'm saying, you know, get at it. <laughs> Go do it. It's your responsibility go get it very cool very cool well with that we'll be on we'll go on to our weekly topic the fire movement a fresh look at one's career in finance um and this was interesting my current situation with this jody was you know i plan on retiring at 62 that that's kind of my my goal right now i mean of course that can change but that's something that i've always thought about and i think traditionally we most of uh, our friends have thought about retiring in their 60s. We have a handful of friends that have actually uh, said they want to retire at 55. 55 seems to be a magic number, and I think we'll do a separate podcast on that at some point. But let's say in the 60s, right? That's the kind of traditional retirement age. Well, I was talking to a buddy of mine at work. His name is Joji. 
a uh, good friend and colleague, and he was telling me about the fire movement. And I had, you know, I'm like an old man. I'm like, what is the fire movement? And uh, it stands for financial independence, retire early. So for me, um, I started to explore um, the fire movement. Um, my friend Joji is, is much younger than me, uh, starting out his career, starting out his life, uh, starting a family. And for me, it was all about um, looking at it through his lens. And there's a lot of people that are focused on maybe not a full-blown fire movement like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Studying it to the letter of the law and following it to the letter of the law, but using the principles of the fire movement. And we'll talk about that today uh, in more depth. Jody, what is your take when it comes to the fire movement? I know I just threw this topic at you this week, but what are your thoughts when it comes to retirement and, and, and how it may tie to retiring early? Yeah, I mean, not having researched it uh, as deep as you might have, um, I'll, I'll just say that in a general sense, I'm all about um, any kind of a plan, any kind of data, any kind of research that helps you get to a goal that you that you aspire to. Um, doesn't matter what it is. Take the good stuff from whatever you learn, apply it to your life, and and move forward. Um, I'm actually a little jealous of your your plan, Paul. I have no retirement plan other than to trying to put money away where we can. Um, you know, I don't I don't have that a magic number in my head. I don't have anything written down as much as I write stuff down. I have zero um, retirement plan. Uh, I'm nowhere near being ready to retire right now. Uh, and I have no idea when or even if that magic number will show up. I'm actually pretty confident that we won't ever have enough money to retire. And I don't mean to sound like a pessimist, but um, with healthcare costs and taxes and cost of living all going in the direction that they're going in, straight up through the roof, no stopping, um, I'm not sure that, that I'll ever have enough to retire on and uh, enough to live on, even after we pay off our mortgage and, and, and even after we you know, get rid of everything that we need to get rid of and we put the kids through college and all we have to do is exist. Um, I'm not sure we'll ever have enough because I think that external forces will push down on us so hard, um, especially with things like healthcare mm. uh, as you get older, um, that I don't think there's ever going to be enough money. I think we, you know, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not, you know, minor rant here, you know, with all the incompetency in all the systems that inflict so much financial damage on us, whether it's, whether it's in the form of taxes and the federal and state level, whether it's the healthcare industry, the insurance industry, um, you've got all these external factors and you've got all the waste that is in all those external places um, that just keep dipping in our pockets and pulling out money um, I'm not sure if there's ever going to be enough. So uh, I think what I'm the, the approach that I'm taking um, is what I'll call a modified retirement plan where I continue to work for the rest of my life. Um, but maybe I work a little less or maybe I work a little differently and maybe I I make a little less money, but I still make money because I don't think that um, I don't think I can afford to not make money. Um, and, and I also think that, you know, just with my personality, I, I have I have what I call busy hands. You know, mm. there's never there's never a slow day for me, even when there's nothing, quote unquote, nothing to do. I find stuff to do. So I'm going to need to apply that energy anyway. So why not apply it to something that actually makes me some money in the process? Very cool. Yeah. And, and I agree with you on those things. And I think one of the fire movement uh, definitions or one of the types that they, they call out is called the barista fire, where you quit your traditional nine to five job to take that less uh, stressful job or that part-time gig, right? So maybe that's what uh, it's being called by by the folks that follow the the fire movement. But we'll we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, the the other thing that was called out, and Jody, we we are turning fifty this year. Um, and the one thing that I wanted to call out, which was brought to my attention, which I totally forgot about, is you do have this mechanism uh, to do catch-up contributions. Uh, in your 401k if you choose to. Um, so you could go beyond what the normal uh, yearly savings rate is if you can. So that's just a call out for those out there that uh, are turning 50 uh, or a little bit, you know, or past 50 and they want to focus on that. So you could go past the normal, I think it's 20k per year maximum in your 401k. Um, but that's if you can, right? Some people can't do that. And there's it's just it is what it is. To your point, Jody, um, everyone's got their own life situation when it comes to these things. So they're going to have to kind of take it as it comes and, and figure these things out. 
which I think is why it's even more important to kind of talk about the fire movement because there's different variants on retirement now. It's not just, okay, the traditional retirement of, okay, I'm going to put my feet up and, and be done. Right. Um, but I there's would not other... be good at that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I right? mean, even even if I just got every every day and, you know, played golf or played with my hobbies or stuff, I just I, I would not be good at that. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. So so we'll go into a little bit of the discussion and some of the topics we want to hit. So the first one is, you know, what is it? We talk about the fire movement, the fire movement. So it, the acronym stands for financial independence, retire early. So in a nutshell, the focus is on people who want to retire as fast as possible and as early as possible. And this is a typical uh, this is a typical mindset, especially of young millennials that are getting out of college. They're getting high tech jobs working for, you know, some of the big four, big five tech companies. And their plan is to uh, potentially uh, sock away stock that's given to them, live very frugally and then adopt some form of fire movement. Right. That's their goal. And I was fascinated by this topic because the more I explored it, the more I learned about it. Um, what is your take when it comes to that, Jody? You know, where you you you're going to retire at 30. Did you ever think of that where people are actually focused on retiring at 30? I think when I was I was somewhere in my early 20s and I thought to myself, I'm going to work really hard and make enough money where I can retire at 40. I remember having that thought. Um and uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> um, but like I said, you know, I think when I got to 40, um, I don't think I would have knowing who I was when I was 40 uh, is, you know, almost the same person I am when I'm 50, just with a few different priorities. Uh, I would not have succeeded uh, being retired when I'm 40. And I, and I think, you know, it, you, you kind of alluded to this, Paul, too. It depends on your definition of retirement. You know, the old... I'll, I'll call it, you know, the, the baby boomer vision of retirement was, you know, completely disconnecting from a job, completely disconnecting from a career and just going off and playing golf or painting every day or bird, bird watching or whatever that was. Um, I don't think that's the same. Retirement has the same definition today. Uh, it certainly doesn't uh, have the same definition for everybody today. Uh, everybody has their own definition of retirement or what they're going to do once they decide they're going to unplug um, from that nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five life. Um, and, and so uh, this is actually a great conversation to talk about is, is sort of retirement is different for everybody. And your approach to this is different for everybody based on, on what you, you're going to talk about here. Yeah. And I think there's we'll go into the different types. Right. So when I was researching this topic, uh, there are different types of, of fire movement. And I'll kind of just riff on those a little bit, and then we'll kind of jump into them a bit. So fat fire is an individual with more of a more traditional lifestyle who saves more than the average retirement investor. Um, so I guess this is somebody, um, you know, typical to what we were talking about, where the goal is at 62, you retire and you retire and you go play that golf or you go to the gym or you, you don't have to worry about work anymore. And you're saving up so much money that when you go to retire, you're able to do that. And then there's lean fire, which refers to the strict adherence to a minimalist living and extreme savings, necessitating a, fi a far more restrictive lifestyle. And I think what calls to mind here is probably like the tiny house movement or the van movement. There's a lot of these out there. So maybe I'll pause here before we go into the other two. But what are your what are your thoughts on the on the? We heard your thoughts before, Jody, on the on the fat fire. Uh, that's not for you. Uh, but what about the lean fire? Kind of kids are gone, packing it up getting the tiny house or the converted van and, and just traveling, getting rid of the house and just having that very frugal, minimalist lifestyle. What's your yeah, thought I, on that? I think that I think the lean fire approach is probably a smart one, regardless of whether you're retired or not, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time, Paul, reducing your expenses as much as possible. Um, and that doesn't mean like, you know, you know, having one pair of jeans and five t-shirts and, you know, living, living like some kind of recluse. Um, but you know, getting rid of the getting rid of the junk that's in your life that you're just paying for and you're not using, um, you know, it's just, subscriptions are a great example of that, right? Do we really need six streaming services? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so, so that it that minimalist lifestyle, I think, is is a great thing to practice um, 
you know, that's appropriate for you no matter where you are. Um, certainly minimalist living once you're unplugging from that Monday through Friday, nine to five regular paycheck life, um, I think is really important because it, or it becomes even more important because you can't afford to be um, wasting money on things um, that don't have a payoff for you. And let's not forget that, Paul, at least for you and me, when we when and if we get to that point, um, there are probably going to be expenses that we don't have today. You know, we'll be getting rid of ex certain expenses that we have today, but we'll be taking on new ones that we've never paid for. And I alluded to those things like, you know, increased costs of health care. Mm. But, you know, <clears throat> maybe, Paul, we, we get to a place someday where we're grandparents. Well, boy, that's really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it can be, right? Because you want to spoil the grandkids, quote unquote, and, you know, all that. kind. Of, so, so there are new there are new expenses that work your work their way into your life, and some of them happily. Um, so, so you need to be, I think, uh, as lean fire. If we're going to put ourselves in one of these buckets, uh, be as lean fire as possible. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you, and, and that goes to some of the basic tenets that we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, the next uh, fire movement is the barista fire refers to followers who have quit their traditional nine to five, but still employ some form of part-time work to cover their current expenses that would otherwise erode their retirement fund. And then the coast fire, which applies to followers with a part-time job, uh, but these proponents do not have enough saved for, to fund retirement and current living expenses. So what they typically do is, my understanding is, they take a job for a while, they save up a bunch of money, they quit the job, they coast, when they run out of money, they get another job, right? So um, the barista fire, the coast fire, I think for me, coast fire would, would never work. I think I'm just too much of a worry wart and too risk adverse to do coast fire. Barista fire is interesting because for me, I kind of see it as when I turn, you know, when I retire, and I think when I retire from a nine to five job, to your point, Jody, I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I, I think I've said on podcasts before, I do want to do a lot more volunteering in my retirement as a primary goal, but I also want to do more gym time. I want to do yoga. I want to play golf. Um, some of the typical tenants that people will talk about. Um, we'll see if my body will keep up with those last three, but I would love to uh, volunteer if I can. Um, but I also thought about, you know, getting a job, you know, working um, like at the Apple store, right? Or, or, or that type of gig where... Um, there's no pressure in terms of having to worry about um, you don't take work home with you. Maybe that's the way to put it, right? When you have a job like that, you go to work, you do your thing, you come home. There's no thought about the next day. Maybe I'm being naive in that fact, uh, but that's kind of how I view kind of the barista fire. Uh, but Jody, what's your take when it comes to the coast fire and barista fire? Well, boy, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't think I have the personality to take with a coast fire to take a job, save up money, quit that job, coast, rinse and repeat. Mm. Um, I'm just, <laughs> first of all, it's not in my personality to throttle on and throttle off like that. I, I, I'm a guy who's like this, I'm the slow and steady wins the race kind of guy. Um, you know, with, with maybe a little bit of gas here and there to get up some hills. Um, you know the the barista fire. I'll, I'll probably uh, I'll probably fall into that. Although I would be a very bad barista. Uh, <laughs> what's your name again? What? How do you spell that? Um, but seriously, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably do something more uh, akin to that. You know, where I'll have uh, maybe not a you know, a forty to sixty hour work week, but maybe I'll have a twenty to thirty hour work week. But I'm still making some money. Um, and and frankly, probably at that point, getting out of my wife's hair too. Mm. <laughs> go go out, go do something. Don't sit around here. <laughs> yeah, you, you make you're making me crazy. Get out of the house. You know that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, th I think that's a that's probably a, a logical place for me to land at some point. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Now that you call that out, it, 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 get a breeze. The fire could be uh, helpful in a marriage, right? So I could totally see that. I could totally see people, and I. I Dare I say, I definitely know some situations where people have taken jobs outside of their home because they want to get that space between them and their spouse. I totally see that. Totally see oh, that, right? Ab uh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So, and, sometimes sitting in the bedroom by yourself isn't enough. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go in the garage. No, you're, too, you're still too close. Get out of the house. 
That's too funny. That is too funny. So I think now we'll jump into the basic tenets of it. So as I started digging deeper into the research, Jody, um, you know, beyond the different types, I said, well, what are the what are the what are the principles that fire enthusiasts are, uh, are, are, are adhering to? And surprisingly, it's very in line with what we've always talked about since day one on the podcast. I was uh, kind of shocked um, that it wasn't much different. And, and I, you know, and I wrote this up a bit and I kind of had to really digest it. But I'll, I'll go through, you know, I'll just go through one at a time. Budgeting is key to whether you are doing the fire movement or not. And, and, and budgeting is the core tenant or one of the core tenants of the fire movement. And Jody, we we talk about this exhaustively. You know, I'm at the macro, you're at the micro level. Budgeting is important. I, I, I don't think there's much more to be said there, but um, you know, we'll say a little bit. What's your take when it comes to, to budgeting? We, we kind of all know if not, you've listened to the podcast. <laughs> I mean, really, how do you not? If you want to be successful with money, how do you not budget? Um, to the greater or lesser degree that you do, um, you know, and, and the perfect example to me is the monthly house payment, right? I mean, once you get to the point where you've got a significant house payment, uh, or you, whether that's rent, mortgage, whatever that is, um, you don't magically come up with that several thousand dollars a month every, at, you know, on the 30th every month. You have to put that aside as, you know, each paycheck as you go. Um, it's just, I mean, unless you're in the 1% and you make more money than you know what to do with, right? You just, you've got to, you've got a budget, you've got a plan. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's a very key tenant. And, and the second tenant is right there with us. Uh, being frugal is another fun, fundamental tenant of, of the principles, uh, needing to make sure you can afford what you buy in cash. And we've talked about this exhaustively where if you can't afford it, you don't buy it and you don't leave it on the credit card to linger. And you don't want to put a steak dinner on a credit card and then six months later, you're still paying for it, right? Um, or a couch or, or, or you know, any of these other, um, you know, uh, medium ticket items. But then you have large ticket items like cars and stuff like that. And we've talked about that in the past, leasing versus buying and financing and all these different things. But I think the, the tenant uh, remains the same. And I think we both follow this. If I don't have the cash to pay for it at the end of the month, um, or buy it with cash immediately, we, we don't buy it. And this has stopped me in my tracks on a lot of different things. I just, if I don't have the cash, I don't buy it. And and I don't know, maybe in a, 10 years from now, I'll look back and talk about everything we missed out on, Jody, and we'll have a an alt podcast, right? Uh, you know, uh, Financial Dads, uh, the, the later edition where we talk about, we should have spent it all. But, you know, right now, it doesn't seem like that's the option that we have, right? So I think... Budgeting is key. Being frugal and being able to pay with cash. And, and Jody, I'll ask you. And I know we're we're uh, kind of uh, beating a, a dead horse here. I don't know if I should be saying that. Uh, I don't know if that's even PC anymore to kind of say that that phrase. But what is your take when it comes to uh, paying with cash? Uh, we're in total agreement about this. We talked about this a lot, right? You you need to live that way. You just do. Um, and that goes back to the first uh, story that we talked about earlier in the podcast about uh, changing your behavior. Um, when I, uh, 10, 10 plus years ago, when I, uh, had my, my reckoning, my moment, my holy mackerel, uh, here, there goes the budget running off the cliff moment. Um, the first thing that I realized was that we needed to get rid of, uh, as many payments as possible, but two, uh, you know, and clear out the credit cards and all that other stuff. But two, we needed to readjust our life to make sure that we, paid in cash for all the stuff that we had to pay, you know, groceries, utilities, uh, monthly house payment, all that kind of stuff. You need to pay in cash for all that stuff. Cause let's not forget something too. Um, when you have a job, you may feel secure in that job. You are not secure in that job. The person who is in charge of you can wake up and fire you at a moment's notice and your money will run out. So, and, and, and I had one of those moments as well, um, you know, and, and I've had different jobs throughout, uh, throughout my career um, where I've run up against that. Um, don't think that the money's always going to be coming. And so if you line yourself up with a bunch of payments and you line yourself up with a bunch of obligations that are, depend on that cash flow um, and just existing depends on cash flow, right? Just being alive. Um, you are setting yourself up for far more challenges than you need. 
Um, and once you start to wrap your brain around that, you, I mean, I started to have a panic attack. Mm. Um, and so, so you've, you've got to be frugal. You've got to pay in cash. You've got to adjust your behavior to start to live that way. And it's a process. It's a road, you know, especially if you've been living on, you know, buying whatever you want on a credit card and going out with your friends and going out to, I mean, recently we're not going out to restaurants and things like that, but you know, you could still buy plenty of stuff, uh, from your computer from home. Um, you've got to adjust your behavior. And the, the first step in that, I think, is writing down your budget. Second step is committing to pay in cash for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. You could do as much damage with a credit card sitting at home in front of your computer or in front of your phone than you can going out to dinner and partying, right? You could probably do more damage, right? Absolutely. Um, oh, my with, gosh. Cosign. Hello. Yeah, with all the boxes and everything that come through the door. And for those of you out there who have not heard uh, that podcast that that uh, we had done where Jody you graciously gave us your story in in much detail as to how you downsized please give that a listen um, if you're out there because that'll that'll really give you some some good nuggets of financial knowledge and some good experience that you could take away and so please listen back to one of the um, 70 podcasts Jody I don't want to divert but I think we had our 70th. Are we on our 71st? I think we just think hit we our 70th. Through, we blew through through that one. Yeah. Who, who would have known? Yeah. Yeah. When we started this thing later. with the first episode, that we would get to 70. And, and we're here, right? And, and the topics don't seem to dry up. We keep getting more and more topics to talk about. Um, and, and so um, thank you all out there who put up with us and uh, listen to us on a regular basis. We really appreciate it. But yeah, go back and listen to the downsizing episode. Great episode, Jody. I'm just going to plug that because it was wonderful um, to listen and learn. Um, I always learn from these podcasts, right? Like we had Joe Tassone last week. I was listening to him this week at the gym. Amazing, amazing insight right? Um, from that entrepreneurial spirit that he has and, and his three daughters. And every time you talk to somebody, whether it's Paul Becker or Will Powell or Joe Tassone, or, or we've had other folks on the call on the uh, podcast, always learning, right? Learning from you, learning from others. So I think it's great. Um, so I, I keep listening and, and, and hopefully uh, everyone else who is listening to us on a regular basis will keep listening. Um, the one thing you talked about, Jody, which kind of popped into my head is around uh, paying for cash, right? And when you talked about the downsizing, there are some points where I, I walk around my home, my home and, and we've talked about this. This is no secret. I We paid the mortgage off a couple of years ago and we did a whole episode on it. The first episode was about the mortgage payoff. And sometimes I look and I say to myself, it'd be great to have a little bit bigger house. That was always my goal. Um, the house that we're in now was, was not supposed to be the forever home. It was supposed to kind of be, okay, we'll buy this now. And then we'll get something a little bigger with a little more things that would have had on our wish list. And then life happened, right? <laughs> and, and we decided to pay it off and, and go through it. And I think my wife uh, doesn't have this bug in her. She's fine with, with the house. For me, um, I think about sometimes and I'll look, okay, maybe I'll, we can upgrade to another house in the neighborhood, right? Uh, somewhere around town with a little more space, whatever that list we have is a little more space, a little more property, whatever, you know, we have a few things in our list, but then I look at it, Jody, and I'm like, anything I look at is going to require me to, to take out another mortgage, right? Now it might not be a gigantic mortgage like I had the first time, but it's going to be a mortgage. And I'm saying to myself, oof, I don't know if I want to do that one more time. Like I'm at the point now where if, you know, and once again, if I can't pay in cash, which I won't be able to pay for an upgrade in cash, but if I can't pay in cash and it relies on me getting a mortgage, part of me is like, I don't want another mortgage. Maybe I'll just live in this house. It'll be just fine. Right. So we're not moving anytime soon, Jody, but it, it just goes to show that um, that's another tenant that we both follow is we pay in cash, whether it's buying a, at this point, upgrading a house or buying a couch or whatever. If you don't have the cash, we don't do it. And I think yeah, that's I, key. I, we, we, live, we live the same way. And we talked about this. You know, we um, the, the basic rule is to not use credit cards because credit cards is the is the fastest way to get into debt, get into trouble, get into debt that hangs around. Right. Hangs around more than 30 to 60 days. Um, you and I ha have talked about and we may get in a little bit of trouble with other people, but, you know, we manage it this way when we make those large purchases like the couch, like the big TV, like the, you know, the singular thing. Um, we do use the credit card to execute the transaction and then immediately pay it off with the cash we have in the bank. Um, so it's a 
it's a functional transactional kind of a use of a credit card. Um, I also actually use a credit card too for all the subscriptions that we have in the house. I actually got myself a, uh, a credit card that I can manage on my phone. And basically, you know, every time we, uh, there's a, you know, there's a digital subscription, something that we like a streaming service or, or something for a video game or something like that, that just happens electronically in the background. Um, it goes onto that card. I keep track of it. I set money aside every week to pay that card, you know, so I've tracked the expenses. I know exactly what's going to come in, when it's going to come in. And then I have the money set aside and I pay that card off every, every Friday actually. Very smart. Yeah. And, and once again, we, I do it a little differently. I put those items on auto pay on the card and I let the credit card do the, do the heavy lift, but you still have to watch. And I know that's something we've talked about in the past. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where, um, I had a charge that I disputed and then it, showed up it snuck back on my uh a statement two months later because it got reversed and and so you, you always have to watch whether you're set it and forget it and let the uh, payments automatically happen or jody to your point where you trigger the payments you still have to watch to make sure that you're not getting double charged for a payment or and stuff like that so um, the next tenant that we'll talk about is save 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 make sure you pile up as much cash in both your retirement and non-retirement funds and, and, and maximize uh, the maximum you could spare, right? Which we've talked about, pay yourself first, all these different things. Um, as a side note, I bought those little pieces of uh, mutual funds in my non-retirement fund uh, a few weeks ago, Jody, and I looked at it the other day and I'm down 50 bucks. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that's a sign <laughs> that the after, markets are gonna turn. Weeks, I think everybody is. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna turn based on my uh, on, on my experience, but it, it is funny that uh, whenever I touch these types of things in my non-retirement, things go south on me. But um, that's for another podcast. All right, it's your fault. We can blame you. We've, that's right. We've found that's the right. Problem. My ego is that big where I think I'm driving world markets. But um, but yeah, we follow this mantra, Jody. We've talked about it in the past. Save, save, save. Pay yourself first. We do that every paycheck. My wife does that automatically. I do that manually because I love the the task of of getting my paycheck, uh, which is a direct deposit, I look at it, I determine, okay, how much can I put away in savings this month off the top uh, for that paycheck? And I, I literally, because the way the transactions have to happen among the different banks, I literally write a check to myself and I use my phone to deposit it into another institution. Um, I know it sounds crazy, but that's the way we have to do it because interbank transactions, in my case, they, there's a, a small fee associated um, if I do it electronically. But if I use a check, there's no fee, but then the check processing must cost more money for the banks to do. So I'll never figure that out, right? I'll, I'll never understand how that works. But anyway, I love the ritual of paying myself uh, first when I get my paycheck. Um, Jody, what's your take when it comes to save, save, save? Uh, we have we have lines in the budget. Uh, saving is a weekly thing. Every week we're putting it, and that's just the way we we've set it up, right? You could set it up weekly, biweekly, monthly, doesn't matter. It's a regular line item. It's the same as paying the lights, you know, or the utility bill or the whatever else. Um, it's not a lot, but it adds up, and it, it's going into a lockbox savings account every single week, and then um, and, and we don't draw out of that account. Um, but, but to pay for either things for the kids, you know, I'll use the example, you know, we have a savings account for each of the kids, right? And there's a little bit of money that goes in there every week. So when there's an athletic sign up, when there's something we got to pay for for school, boom, we're dipping into that, you know, $100, $50, $25, whatever that is. And then at the end of the year, we look at that account and we go, okay, is how much of that can we take and move over to some kind of school savings account or something like that. Um, where I'm, I'm starting to, and I think I mentioned last week, you know, that I, I went down a rabbit hole and planned out my 2021 budget. Right. Um, I, I added in a little bit of weekly, uh, added, I added an added <laughs> uh, amount of savings for the kids to try to bulk up that account so we can start to spend, to pay a little bit more into their um, ESAs. Um, so we can, we can start saving a little more aggressively for college because now we're in a place where we can hopefully start to do that because we've cleaned a lot of other things out. Um, but it's gotta be back to the, the my initial point. It's gotta be a regular thing. It mm -hmm. can't be magic. It can't be like, Oh, look, we have this pile of money. Let's do now. Okay. If you do have a pile of money that drops from the sky for some reason, yeah, stick it in a savings account and let it sit there for 30 days while you think about what you're going to do with it. Don't run out and just spend it. Um, 
Um, other than that, I think my approach to budgeting, like I've said before, is is drip, 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 is every single week there's a little bit of money that goes into the account. When it builds up to a certain place, if you want to put it into something else or something different, you want to buy something, you want to put it into a different savings account, you can do that. Um, but it's not – you don't go through the fits and starts of trying to find larger lumps of money to put into some kind of other savings vehicle. Yep, and, and that makes sense, right? And, and you called out something very important, and that's around the whole process of it's not just retirement and non-retirement. You get down to it; it's around you know school savings, like you said. Um, it might be saving up for a car. I, I know in our house, what we do is we have an accrual system. So every month, uh, we actually accrue uh, because we pay our own taxes, we pay our own uh, home insurance, we pay for the 529 plans. So what we do is we actually accrue the money and and so we kind of set it and forget it. We actually have a little bit of savings in there as well and it's automatically in the spreadsheet. So when I apply the four, five, six bills that come in for the household, um, the total number for that month is inclusive of our accruals. So we are always saving um, kind of in that automatic way and we kind of set it at the beginning of the year and we forget it and we just kind of do our thing with it. Um, you know, so I think that's important to call out as well. Depending on your methodology, um, just make sure you are saving and saving consistency uh, consistently. Um, the next tenant is pay off and get rid of all debts, including car payments, college loan payments, mortgage payments, everything and anything that has debt associated with it and as fast as possible. Um, I thought this was, you know, once again, this is a tenant that we subscribe to, right, Jody? I mean, I've talked about it in the past and um, my personal situation at this point. We've gotten rid of all consumer debt except for the monthly credit card. So as of right now, knock wood or knock wood, um, you know, the cars are paid and, and, and we don't have any college to pay for. The mortgage is done. Um, uh, so that being said, we are saving for college. We're not delusional that we're done right uh, we have to continue to 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 do our thing here um, and continue to save aggressively for college and inevitably we're going to need a new roof and we're going to need a new car and we're going to need another new car and it's just gonna it's never going to end uh, so we have to keep maximizing our savings uh, and pay, but paying off our debt was key to us and that was something we focused on jody what's your take on on this paying off your debt principle yeah, well, number one, you know, this the concept of the less you owe to other people, the more you're going to have to keep in your pocket and do with what you want to do with, right? If if you if you don't have seven credit cards that you have to pay off and death by a thousand cuts, all that money is going to stay in your checking account. You can move some of it into your savings account. Maybe you can do something special that you want with it. It's your money. It goes back to being your money, not somebody else's money. The other thing, Paul, that you bring up and really, really important is the unknown. Um, and especially when you're at, at the point of life that we're at where you've got you know, you've got kids and you've got a house and you've got, you know, all the stuff in the house that makes it work. That stuff is going to break mm. sooner or later. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, if it's a small item like a light bulb going out, well, you know, that's not that's not a crisis. Right. You go out and you buy yourself a new light bulb uh, or maybe you tighten the screw on the on the lock that that, you know, came unscrewed or something like that. But when the furnace goes, <laughs> mm. Hot water or, tank for me. I remember when that right? blew. Or Woo. when, or when suddenly there's a leak in the roof and it you can't get up there with some Flex Seal. That's right. Um, you've got which is my favorite product. Yeah. Uh, you you've got a big financial problem, and if you haven't been saving up for that, and or if you've got all these payments that you need to make every month to this credit card and that credit card because you bought a big TV and you bought a couch and you. You know, went out and you bought the eighty thousand dollar car when the twenty thousand dollar car would have been just fine. Um, you've got a problem, and and so so yeah, getting rid of all the debt, all the payments allows you to take that money and do with it what you want. And part of it must be putting it aside for things that you don't know are going to happen. You know, that goes back to the the concept of the emergency fund, um, and whether that's whether that's the hole in the roof or the losing the job, you've got to have that money set aside. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why for us, we're you know savings is key and paying off all the debts was key to our um, financial plan. Um, the last tenant is around planning with the four percent rule in mind. And if for those of you who are not familiar with the four percent rule, is that if you save um, let's say a million dollars in retirement, four uh, percent of a million dollars would be is it. $40,000? I think it's $40,000 if I have my math right. 
Um, the 4% rule means that if you have a million dollars invested in your retirement fund and you pull 4% each and every year, over time, that 4% should, it should replenish. And when I don't say replenish, it, your investments over time will grow. And, and what you want to do is withdraw 4% per year in your retirement. So using the million dollar example, um, you, you could, if you have a million dollars, you don't want to pull more than $40,000 a year off of that million dollars uh, in order for it to last uh, as long as it can. Now, there are financial experts out there that will tell you that the, the 4% rule is, is the 3% rule. There are financial experts out there that will say it's the 10% rule. Uh, the numbers are all over the board, but the 4% has been a standard for decades um, and it's something to kind of keep in mind. So when you're working out your retirement calculations on the money you have uh, that you have saved in your 401k or IRA, um, you want to focus on this 4% rule. And, and Jody, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. For me, it, it's about realistically that plus any kind of pension that we might be eligible for plus Social Security. That's how we come up with our numbers. And, and the only way in my mind is if that you could retire is you have to retire with your eyes wide open and you have to have your numbers in check right so i know a number of people that have retired and not and just jumped right and said i'm going to retire boom done and then it turns out they didn't have enough in retirement and their pension wasn't big enough and their social security wasn't what they thought it was going to be right and they wind up in a problem Right. So for me, when it comes to the 4% rule, it's a planning percentage. You could be more conservative and say it's a 6% rule, whatever you're more comfortable with. I think for me, I would have to focus maybe 5 6%, 4% might be a little too low for me uh, from a risk perspective. But Jody, what's your take when it comes to planning your retirement using this 4% rule, but other things in mind around you know knowing your numbers in your retirement? Maybe we'll kind yeah. of bring it up one level. Well, and you hit it right. I mean, whether it's 4% or 10% or whatever it is, it, the number's got to be right for you. And you've got to sit down and do your math. Um, I think it's really smart to sit down with um, a, a money professional who, you know, an investment professional uh, and your accountant for that matter. Because when you're making these kind of long-term plans, if you're going to be unplugging and, and, you know, retiring and not having that barista salary coming in that we talked about before, um, you got to make sure that your math works out. Um, I actually kind of already live that way because part of my compensation is in the form of commission. So that only comes in once a month. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, – I'm putting that money into a savings account and then I'm drawing down on that on a, at a regular basis. I'm, I'm drawing down, you know, I'm paying myself every week like a paycheck out of that account. Um, and so what I've done is I've set up a, 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 a steady amount, right? A single amount. I pay myself this amount of money every single week. Um, and so I have my burn rate set up and I know exactly how much is going to be in there, you know, and I know how long it's going to it's going to last until I get another uh, I'm able to, to replenish that account as well. Um, so I'm already kind of paying myself in that regard anyway. It's made me learn to live on that fixed amount of money. So when I do my budget, I look in the budget and if I'm overspending, I'll know right away. Um, that I don't have an income problem, I have a spending problem, right? Because the amount of money that I'm paying myself is the same every single week, week in, week out. It's flat, mm. right? And and so if that number ever goes red in my spreadsheet, I go, whoa, whoa, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's that? What's that? What's getting thrown off there? And I'm, I'm, I'm drilling down into that spreadsheet again, taking the micro approach that I like to take. Um, so I, so I know it's not on the income side because I'm getting paid the same amount of money every single week. It's on the outflow side, and it's me. And going back to the behavior, it's me, and I need to adjust my behavior. I need to adjust what we're spending money on to make sure that those numbers, those numbers meet up. Yep, and that makes a lot of sense, right? So I think, I think we'll kind of jump to the next area, and that's around websites, right? So it's not really a topic, but if you want to learn more about the FIRE movement, the most popular uh, website that my friend Joji turned me on to is Mr. Money Mustache. Um, this guy, I think, became a millionaire just by 
building out this website, right? And he talks about all these different things around retiring at 27 and, and, and different popular posts around the 4% rule, um, killing your $1,000 grocery budget. I'm thinking to myself, who's got a $1,000 grocery budget? I guess it's possible. The Brady Bunch. <laughs> I guess so. I guess now in this decade, right? Um, so it's very interesting. I mean, food, is, food isn't cheap. I, I'll, I'll say this as just as a philosophy and a sidebar. Um, it's the one thing that I don't get that worked up about in our budget. Um, you know, if we, if we go 20, $30 over, whatever, we buy a little extra here. Cause we're going to save a little extra the next month because food is really important, especially when you have kids, it's really important. And it can also be a real roller coaster. I mean, my, my kids have very, um, I'll say specific and unpredictable tastes <laughs> to the point where, you know, like pizza was popular one week and we hate it the next week. It's just, and you can't, you don't know what's getting thrown at you. So, um, but food is the one thing that I don't get that worked up about because it's important. Um, and, and, you know, it's also fun. It's, it's nice to eat good food, right? Yep. And so if you spend a little more money on food, fine. Because you're going to save a little money on, I don't know, underwear or something, right? So don't get, I don't get that worked up about food. Yep, I totally get it. And I, I think I follow the same philosophy. Um, so um, when it comes to these websites, Mr. Money Mustache is probably the biggest one. There's a couple of others out there, the millionaireeducator.com, richandregular.com. So you could check out these websites for more information on the FIRE movement. And let us know. Post onto our, you know, send us an email um, or post on our Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on your opinion when it comes to the FIRE movement. I think today for the summary recap, Jody, I think that what we've learned in kind of discussing this is the maybe we are FIRE movement advocates, right? Because if, if people are following these basic tenets, we're in, right? Um, I guess it's to what degree, and I guess it depends on how far they want to take it. But the basic fundamentals of the FIRE movement, we agree on, right? It's budgeting, paying what you can in cash, saving, getting rid of your debt. It's everything we've talked about over 70 episodes of the podcast. So I think for us, um, we love the FIRE movement. At least I do. Jody, what's your recap from today? Yeah, I think it, it's really interesting. And this is the first time I've actually even heard about it, Paul. So thanks for turning me on to this and, and sort of explaining it to to the listeners uh, and, and walking through it all. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that aligns with what, what we've talked about. Uh, not that we're experts. We've never said we're experts. We're just experts in ourselves. Um, and, and a lot of uh, uh, ideas and concepts that uh, we already apply to our own lives and I think that, that are valuable to everybody. So, yeah, this has been great. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.